Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Dylan Krause. Um, we're doing this theme called Going My Way, right? And uh, no, no, you're not into it. You're like, no, I'm, I'm going the other way. Nathaniel's totally rebelling against me right now. It's okay. I love you and like you. Um, no, we really are doing a theme called Going My Way, and I have this friend, and his name is Kurt Meckes, and he, he's like the only person I've really talked to, well, not the only one, but one of the most memorable hitchhiking stories I've ever heard um, was from Kurt Meckes, because he's like this gnarly guy, and before, when I, was, before I had like a full-time job, I would just do like all kinds of random work, you know, however many of you guys are living there right now, just like, yeah, Andrew knows what I'm talking about. Just get a job wherever you can, Whitney, and, like, just pay me money. I don't care. Like, $5 an hour, sure, I'll just show up and work. doesn't matter. And so he was thankfully paying me a lot more than that. He's a real generous guy. And we were washing windows. And uh, he, he's, like, the guy when it comes to washing windows. He is the guy, okay? You might think you know the guy. You don't know the guy unless the guy's name is Kurt Meckes. Because you know that, like, um, this is, like, He's old school, but um, the in Las Vegas, right, he, he started his window cleaning business in California. And uh, in Vegas, they have all these casinos and everything like that. Well, they made this casino hotel or whatever, the Pyramid, and it's totally made out of glass. If you've ever seen pictures of Las Vegas, you might, may have seen it. It's like a, it's an actual pyramid, like the hotel set up like a pyramid, and it's everything is all glass, okay? And so, like, all of the window cleaning business in the past has been like for skyscrapers and stuff you like hook up to the roof and you belay off the side with the little benches like you see in the movies and the guys there in the matrix like cleaning the window and everything on the little ropes and all that stuff okay well you can't do that the same way on a pyramid right so kurt meckis like i said the man at window cleaning he uh he was the guy who created all of the new technology for window cleaning to clean the pyramid for the very first time. And he, um, because he had to do all this extra work and because he was the only guy who was probably crazy enough or brave enough, whichever one you prefer, to try it and go for it, they paid him 80 grand to do it one time. One time. That was the first bill he gave them for one cleaning of that building. $80,000. That's incredible. And he, it took him one month with a whole crew of people. Obviously, he didn't keep $80,000. You got to pay for a lot of things and everything. And you're creating equipment. And who knows all the money he paid out. But still, so he got it down to the point where he, was, he got so good at it that he could send a team in. And for two weeks, they would clean from one corner all the way around the pyramid to the next corner. It would take them two weeks, and then they would start all over again. And, it was, and then he reduced his price to a less number amount, but still in the tens of thousands of dollars that every two weeks would just be deposited into his bank account. Boom, boom, boom. And now I bought a boat. Boom, boom. But seriously, isn't that crazy? So when I say he's the man, I really mean it. He is the man. And so I'm cleaning with him, and he's just like, he talks as fast as he cleans windows, and he's like going on about his unicept, and he's like flexing for me, and he says that he was, 
in the Marines or something like that, and something happened, and his bicep came detached from his arm on the inside from something. Yeah, Bree's got it. I see that unicep right there. <laughs> no, and so because a bicep, Isaiah knows this, Isaiah, both Isaiahs, your bicep is called a bicep because it's attached to two different places, right? Like, there's one attachment here and one here. So his is only attached in one spot, so he's like, this is just the kind of guy, I'm just building it up because this is the kind of human he is. And he's just like cleaning windows. He's like, see my unicept? See it? See it? That's my unicept right there. It's only attached to one place. Anyway, we're talking, and he starts telling me some hitchhiking stories. So back in like the give me wax for my board, keep me surfing for the Lord days, he was a Jesus people movement uh, savee. We'll call him a savee. Somebody who got saved in the Jesus people movement, which was this whole awesome thing that happened during like the whole hippie movement, if you guys don't know about it. Like, thousands of people were getting saved by Jesus because of radical, radical experiences. Like, people would go out on LSD, get super high, and have visions and encounters of Jesus and totally stop doing drugs because they met this, this Savior of their life. They met the thing that would actually satisfy them. It's crazy testimonies. Like I said, thousands and thousands of people got saved. Charles and Ann, who run our church, who are senior pastors at our church, they got saved in that movement also. Uh, Nathaniel's grandfather got saved in that movement. It's just, stories are crazy from there. But he was one of them. And so, but things were a little wild and crazy and a little free. And so he just, he was learning, okay? He was learning about God and everything. But in the process, at the beginning stages, he was convinced that he was Jesus. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's what gave him the courage to clean the pyramid. But he, he thought he was actually Jesus. And so he's like, he's like reading the Bible and like reading some things. And, and, you know, maybe there was a residual effect of some drugs that were happening. Who knows? But he became convinced that he was Jesus. And so he was, uh, saw this guy hitchhiking. And, of course, he thought, well, if I'm Jesus, I would definitely pick that guy up. So I'm going to pick him up. So he picks him up, and he starts talking to him. And, He's driving him. He says, how far would you like to go? And he tells them. And then the guy, he starts telling the guy, yeah, you know, like, I just, I feel like I should tell you, you know, I'm Jesus. And the guy's like, what? And, and you know, he's, he's like a street smart kind of guy, somebody who's hitchhiking. They know their way around life a little bit different than some of us who've been raised with Hot Pockets in the freezer every day, you know? Like, they know how to get what they need. So he says, well, if you're Jesus... Can I have 20 bucks? That's what I'm talking about. And so Kurt, of course, he's like, oh, man, didn't see that coming. I guess if I'm Jesus, I should definitely give him the 20 bucks. Shoot. Thoughts Jesus would not have. (laughs) Jesus would, like, catch a sparrow and pull 20 bucks out of its throat or something. You know, like, just put his hand out the window and a carrier pigeon brings it down. I don't know. It's just different when you're Jesus. And, and so he's, he gives him the 20 bucks. And so he's just going along his life and just believing he's Jesus. And so there was a nice woman who lived in his building, an African-American older woman. And uh, he was helping her move some furniture because that's what Jesus would do, of course. And uh, so he's helping her move the, the furniture and everything. And he gets done and, and he just, same thing, you know, he wants to build the kingdom of him. Jesus. And so he's telling this nice lady, you know, I just, 
I, I've really, I've, I've discovered that I'm Jesus. Isn't this amazing? <laughs> I've discovered it. I am Jesus. And she, with all of her years of wisdom, said, Honey, you sweet, but you ain't Jesus. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that's all that it took. That is literally all that it took to snap him out of it. And he went, oh, oh, all right. I guess I'm not Jesus. I guess I'm not Jesus. I'm just supposed to be like Jesus. So that is really, look, we are not trying to be Jesus, right? We are not trying to be Jesus. We are trying to be like Jesus. We are definitely trying to be like Jesus. Would you agree? But we ain't Jesus. The crazy thing, we're, you could be sweet, but you ain't Jesus. This is the, the journey that we're on is to become like him. It's to become like him. It says in Corinthians that we are actually, um, through his spirit, transformed from glory to glory, like a mirror that every single day we would, ref, we would reflect him better and better, right? Um, every single day, like that I would get in front of the face of God in a way that would come cl- like, come more clearly to me, like even what Katie was saying, that we would step into a deeper place with God in worship. And guys, when you come in here on Wednesday nights and you enter into worship and you sing those words from your heart and you read and you think about them and you, it goes deep inside you and you, you make an agreement with Holy Spirit and say, yes, God, I receive your love and I want to love you back. Yes, God, you've given your life to me and now I want to give my life to you. When you go to those deeper places with God, it's you receiving a clear image of the face of God so that you can shine brightly back out at the world what is being shown, like what is shining at your heart. You with me? So this is exactly the journey that we're on. You know, like it wouldn't be like very good if we were just, if we were, if we were our parents, like Justice, if you were your mom, just you would be your mom. Like if you're, you know, like, if we were, if I was like, if I was my dad, and he was his dad, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on, I'd still be writing with rocks on stone walls. You know what I'm saying? Like, we would have gotten nowhere if we were just being exactly the person who came before us. But there is so much growth, so much um, power, so much, like, expansion in being like someone, because you get to learn from who came before you, and now you've got, you've got wisdom that you didn't pay for, right? You've got something that you didn't pay for that you can carry on. It always talks about, people always talk about in the Bible that one generation's ceiling would be the next generation's floor, right? And that's exactly who we are at Airborne. We are chasing God off of the ceiling of the people who have gone before us. In this case, it's all these wild Jesus people who th- thought they were Jesus, and now they know, like, to you guys, that was ridiculous. Thank God, right? Like, you know you ain't Jesus. You're just trying to be like him. No, we're, we're building off of their ceilings, and they're gonna, that's going to be our floor, so we can go further. Hold your questions. I'll talk to you at the end if that's okay. Um, John 14.2 says, you guys have heard this before, that greater works would anybody who believes in me would do because I go to the Father. Jesus said that. How crazy is that? This is the guy who walked on water, right? took like Gabe's one, one Chick-fil-A meal from Gabe that he brought today, and he multiplied it to feed all of Airborne. Like, how awesome would that be, right? Like, he said, greater works 
would you do if I, because I'm going to the Father? That's an invitation. That's an invitation. And, like, when that kind of thing goes out, like, Miguel, you might think like I do. I'm like, oh, no. I got to be like Jesus, not even just like Jesus. I'm supposed to be better. I'm supposed to be greater than Jesus. Jesus. Like, that's crazy. I, I don't know about you. Like, Dallas, though, I know he, I'm pretty sure he was a part of it. He tried to walk on water before. He got wet. He got wet. <laughs> that's all right, because he was trying. He was going for it. Oh, I love that story. You can talk to him about it later. But there's an invitation is what I'm trying to say, all right? I want to read these seven verses to you guys. Boom. Boom. Sorry. It just happened. Seven verses. Can you handle seven verses? Yes. No. Caleb. <laughs> you, you so can. I believe in you. Awesome. Oh, thanks so much. What's your name? Victoria. Victoria? Thanks, Victoria. You're awesome. All right. This is seven verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 21, because that makes sense, because that equals seven, right? Hey. Awesome. Okay, listen. Whatever we do, it is because Christ's love controls us. What a start. Holy cow, what would your life look like if Christ's love controlled you? That every single decision, every single word that came out of your mouth was controlled by Christ. That's awesome. Yes. It'd be Valentine's Day every day. Lots of love going around. Since we believe that Christ died for everyone, say everyone. We're, only a ver- We're not even a whole verse in, just so you know. Just get ready. He died for everyone. We also believe that we have all died to the old life we used to live. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live to please themselves. Instead, they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. Oh, snap. Not living for myself anymore. So we have stopped evaluating others by what the world thinks about them. Boom. You could mic drop on that right there. Stop evaluating others by what the world says about them. What if you had a fresh pair of eyes for every single person you met? What if every single person that has a reputation at your school would have a fresh start with you because you were controlled by the love of God? What if? What if? How about that? Let me put on some love every single morning when I go into this new school year so that people can experience the love of God through my life because I'm not living for myself anymore. It doesn't matter if I'm with that cool crowd over there. I'm giving people what they deserve, love of God coming through me. Anybody want to step up to the plate on that one? I invite you. Come on up. Come on up. Okay. Not literally. Sorry. It was a figurative thing that you can do on your own in your heart. Oh, once I mistakenly, wow, you know what? This is crazy that he he compares it to this. This is Paul talking, and he says, once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way. You know that the guy that's writing this, the biggest, the biggest praiser, the biggest, like, fan of Jesus Christ in this moment, probably, he was once the one who was going around saying, what, you believe in Jesus? And cutting off your head, literally, 
He was that guy. He was ISIS. Oh, you believe in Jesus? Now you're going to die. That is who's writing this right now. Because he, he says on his own accord, I mistakenly looked at, God, at God's own son the way that everybody else was looking at him that was surrounding him. Isn't it crazy that even Jesus could have been confused because of the, the, like, the white noise that was in going on inside of Paul's inner, inner circle? He's surrounded by all these Jews who are saying, he's not the Messiah, he's not the Messiah. And he's looking at the, the heart or the son of God going, yeah, he's not the Messiah. Just because of all of his friends were saying so about Jesus. Could it be that we've mistakenly, mistakenly mistaken someone, someone in your school, someone on your team, someone in your family, someone this or that, just based on what everybody else has been saying about him? It's possible. If it happened to Jesus, it's possible. Oh, man, this is not making it easy. These words are so tiny. I'm definitely on the next verse. Oh, gosh, we have more. Just don't worry about it. Oh, what this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe some kids in your school are new people. You didn't know, but they became new people over the summer. That would be great, right? Oh, Jesus. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone. A new life has begun. Okay, that's like, that's like two verses. Five more left. All this newness of life is from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Did you hear that? That God has given us, not you, not me, us, a task. It's crazy. You, know, you ever notice that it seems like people who realize that they've got, like, business doing something, that they're a lot more confident, they're a lot more bold? You walk into uh, a wedding venue, okay? You can spot the father of the bride instantly. You know Why? Because he's the one paying the bill. He walks around like he owns that place because he's the one dropping the cash. I noticed that one time when somebody was having a wedding here, and this guy walks in. I'm like, who the heck are you? He walked in like he owned this whole building because for that day, he did. He did. Seriously, it's crazy. When you realize that you've got business in this life, reconciling people to Christ Jesus and his gift to them, that he died to show them that God loves them, all of a sudden you walk around with a little more. You walk around with a little more something, something in your step. You walk around with a little bit more umph, yeah. You've got business doing life here. You've got business on this earth reconciling people to Christ. Sounds like pressure, but I'm going to take all that off your shoulders in just a little while because Jesus really did it all. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Woo! Get me in on that. I will stand in line. I just want some of that. Get me in on that. Not counting my sins against me. Hallelujah. This is the wonderful message he has given us, us, to tell others. 
We are Christ's ambassadors. And God, has, God is using us to speak to you in this, in this uh, verse. He's talking to a group of people. We urge you. As though Christ himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. Do you guys know what that means? Be reconciled to God? He's talking about being in right relationship with God. That thing that Ryan went off about and was talking about, that we start living in a two-way street. You know what that looks like? It's, it's the verse that he was singing out of. I love God because he first loved me. It's a receiving of God's love, recognizing it, and giving love back to God. And it looks like a lot of different things. Salvation is receiving the death of Christ for, for us in our place because you and I were both destined for death because of our sin, but he came and died in our place so that we could live and have abundant life. That's what he's talking about. Being reconciled to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That was all seven. That was all seven. Very good. Man, this is really, I need like an extender on this thing. Um, Holy Spirit. So, check it out. That's all great and fun and kind of awesome and everything, right? But there's this other little fancy verse in Corinthians, like 1 Corinthians, and it says, the kingdom of God, which is all of a sudden what you've, you've all been just acquired as employees. I've just hired every single one of you as an employee for the kingdom of God. You've been given a task to call people into his, his love, to reveal the Father's love to people, okay? This little verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says, The kingdom of God is not just fancy talk, but it's alive in power. So it's not enough to tell somebody. It's not enough to just talk about it. It's not enough for me to get up here. That's why sometimes it gets boring because you come here and you're like, we're just talking. There's a lot more going on. But sometimes you check out and you see it like that. You're like, man, they're just talking, right? There's other verses or there's other versions that says, it's not in word, but in power. In the message, it says that God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. Guys, if you're going to be successful in this task that God has given us, you are going to need power. You are going to need to be filled with power. You're going to have to be able to do more than talk. Some of you are encouraged. Some of you are terrified. Have any power? What are you talking about? I'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes in in like worldly things, power changes, right? Like I remember the day because, like I said, I'm old. When MySpace hit the scene, I remember MySpace. I still have a MySpace. I'm pretty sure it's out there. I don't know anything about, like, how to log into it or anything anymore, but it exists. And then all of a sudden, the power swung. Facebook came. It was like a giant in the land, right? Now, like, how many of you don't even have a Facebook? Five years ago, would have never happened. 
Because some of you guys are like, oh, no way. I ain't have a Facebook. My grandma's on Facebook. I ain't getting that. My grandma is on Facebook. So you have what? You have an Instagram, right? Or you might have a Twitter. Or you have a Snapchat, right? How many of you are Snapchat people? Yeah, Snapchat people. I know, I know you Snapchat people. We walk into the airport on the way home, and people are, like, in line updating my story, and there's, like, 20 feet people gap in front of them. Like, all right, all right, come on. Here we go. Going to call them like goats or something like that, herding cats because of Snapchat. There's all kinds of the powers to be in the social media ring are always changing, right? There's all these, like, this jousting for position. Now, there was MySpace, and it got totally obliterated by Facebook, and now people's grandmammies are on Facebook, and so there's Snapchat, and who knows what's coming next, because there's just, like, it's, it's, it's so, it's not easy, but it's, it is easy in comparison. Just to push somebody out of the captain's seat in social media. Oh, man, there it goes again. Just, just leave it. Just leave it. <laughs> Victoria, you're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Some things, though, are like there, there's no, no comparison, right? Like you get into an accident in your car, and the fire company shows up, and instead of the jaws of life, they've got like a pair of pliers. <laughs> they like pull out their Leatherman, and they're like, don't worry. Don't panic. We're going to get you out of there in a jiffy. <laughs> and they start pliering at the door to get you out. And you're like, man, where's your jaws of life? What the heck is going on here? What co- who didn't donate to the fire company? Somebody's got to step up their game. Because there is no replacement for the jaws of life, right? There's no comparison. Nobody is competing with that tool. This is why the power of God is so powerful. There is nothing like it. There has never been anything like it. There will never be anything like it. God's power stands alone. In Isaiah 64, it says that since ancient times, no ear has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who waits who, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. No ear has heard. No eye has seen. There has never, ever been a God like you who acts on pe- his people's behalf who wait on him. Come on, guys. This is the power you're getting hooked up to. This is the power that you're getting hooked up to. This is the power that will enable you to accomplish your task. You guys are being invited into a relationship where you get filled with the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. He said it was better that he would go away so he could send his spirit so that you'd be filled with power from on high. Oh, God. I've got to read like four more verses and then we're going to be done. I've got to. I've got to. I have to do it. I'm probably going to drop like six more things in the midst of it all. Just get ready. All right, all right, all right, right. listen. You listening? It's like 
it's, it's like half as much as before. For God said, okay, listen, don't talk to your neighbor right now. Listen, thanks. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made us understand that, th- that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But this pressure, precious treasure, this light and power that now shine within us, say us, very good, it shines in us, is held in perishable containers. He just called you perishable. He just said that. That is, in our weak bodies, he just called you weak. He just called you weak. Paul is reaching out the grave and calling you weak. All right, let's, let's, look, let's see what he says here. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and not our own. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. This is what takes the weight off. This is what takes all the pressure off because it's not about you. When people see God shining through you, they go, that must be God because he's not that good. That takes the pressure off. I'm not that good. You know the verse that says that God's strength is made perfect in what? Our weakness. Who said it? Yeah. Awesome. Leah has got it. God's strength is made perfect, and say, say it with me, our weakness. Say, okay, say it with me or say it after me, whatever you prefer. It's fine. Our weakness. Guys, this is good because it's not up to you to be powerful. Do you get that? This is good because it's not up to you to, to be strong. It's up to you to say yes to God, to invite him into your life, to step forward into more of him so that you could see the brightness of his face, so that you could reflect. The moon doesn't do nothing. He's not shining. He's just up there being a mirror for the sun. That's what I want to be. That's all I can be. I'm not strong enough to show people God on my own. I'm not strong enough to reconcile people to Christ. I am weak. And I love it because in my weakness, he is strong. In my weakness, his strength is made perfect. In my weakness, he is shining through us. So check this out. Have you ever felt like this? We are pressed on every side by troubles. Anybody? Anybody ever felt like that? Guess what? But we are not crushed and broken because you're filled with the power and the brightness of God. We are perplexed. You ever been confused? I like, that's why I didn't take calculus, man. I was like, Trig, you kidding me? This is hard enough. I'm already cheating to get through this class. Forget calculus. I ain't doing that AP stuff. God bless you, smart people. I was perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. Whoops. (laughs) See, I told you I was weak. I told you. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. Somebody reach out and take that. The truth, the truth that God never abandons you. God never abandons you. You can reach out and grab that. It's like money on the table waiting for somebody to grab. I am never going to be abandoned by God. That is good as gold. Take it to the bank and cash it. We get knocked down, 
but we get up again and again and keep going. Yeah, and again, and again, and again, and again, seriously. You get it, guys? People, people see your lives. You're going back to school, and uh, sh- I know you shudder to think about it, but in like six or eight weeks, yeah, I know. That's why I told you to do cool stuff while you can. And your lives are on display. You are a billboard for God. You are the, the mirror to God's faith, faithfulness and his face. You are the one reflecting his light. You are. This is your task. This is my task. This is our task. To be filled with the power of God. Not strength on my own. Not strength in myself. It's the power of God that comes through. Even when, so when you're perplexed, when you're in class, and you are totally like unwilling to give up, somebody's looking at you going like, what? He's not that strong. And you go, Yeah, but God is in me. Boom. You don't even know how much that changes people's perspective on God. You've got troubles happening in your family, stuff that's crazy that people that the closest friends you have know about, and you're not shaken because you're founded on his rock. You can say in the midst of it all that God loves me and I have hope, and they look at you and go like, what? Your life is like ten times crazier than my life, and I'm like a basket case over here. You go, yeah, but I got Jesus. You want to have him? Because it makes you, makes you unshakable. Waking up knowing your love makes you unshakable. You get knocked down and knocked down. Say you've got, like, something going on your friends know about. They're like, man, why are you so persistent? Why don't you give up? Give up. It's not in my vocabulary. I've got a life-giving spirit that never runs dry. I'm connected to a well of life that will not quit. Guys, this is how you reconcile people to God. This is how you reflect in a mirror the brightness of the goodness of Christ. Paul finishes this chapter, and, and he says, he quotes a verse out of the Psalms that David wrote. And he said, I believe in God, so I speak. So that's what I want to invite us to do tonight. Just stand up right where you're at. And anywhere in your life, anywhere in your life where you've, you've felt like this tug on your heart to not quit, Life's been crazy, and you're surrounded by troubles, but you're not going to be crushed. Whatever it is, I want you to speak that out. I want us to speak something out, like, together, that it will be like this stand of faith that says, like, look, I am taking on the power of Christ because I'm, like, I'm totally fine with the fact that I'm not good enough to handle this on my own. So let's just say this all together so then we won't have to, like, be airing out all our laundry in front of everybody and stuff, you know, like, you don't have to say exactly what you're going through. But how about we say this together? How about we say, the heck with self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. 
Screw it. Screw it. I don't want it. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. I need you. I need you, God. Come on. So in your heart right now, I want you to just hold your hands out like you're going to receive this power that we're talking about that God freely gives to his children. And just again, I want you to say out loud, I need you. Yeah, we do. We need you, God. Now in your heart, just want you to tell God a specific place that you need his power. And I just want you to say in the midst of all that stuff that you're you're sharing with him right now, I want you to say, I want to see you clearer. So I can shine brighter. So I can succeed in my task. Show people your goodness, your mercy, and your love. Thank you. Oh, God. I just thank you for each each student that's in this room right now, God, I thank you for your spirit filling them. God, I thank you for your love and affection that's towards each one. God, I thank you for filling them with power, God, that you have not left them or abandoned them, God, but you are right there in the middle of of their life. And God, I thank you that um, every single day you're ready and you're willing to show yourself more clear to each of them. And so, Lord, we just say, we want, we want you, we need you, I can't do it on my own, I'm weak, but you're strong. And I invite you right in to each one of our lives, God, we invite you in, we invite you in to be our strength so that we can show the world your goodness. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.